0: Welcome to Ireland Creates and a very happy new year. I know we're in a month now and I hope 2020 is treating you well so far. At least it doesn't really feel like a new year, but you know... Let's move on from that one. This is Ireland Creates, the podcast about Ireland's storytellers, and I'm your host, Aisling O'Rourke. First things first, I hope you and yours are safe and well. What a crazy start to the year it's been. I wanted to, though, start the podcast today by explaining why it came to an abrupt end in 2020. My dad died suddenly last November, and quite frankly, that floored me and put a stop to much of my work, my personal creative work in particular. I decided I needed to take a decent break and have a think about how I manage my workload, given all the additional stressors that I think it's fair to say we're all going through right now. I'm glad I took the break, but I have to be honest, I really enjoy putting the podcast together and speaking with each and every one of my guests so I want to keep it going and this time on a more consistent and sustainable basis. To do that though I do need your support so I've decided to join Patreon, the platform that allows creators begin to earn a living from their practice. So for the price of a cup of coffee a month you can help Ireland Creates continue and I hope flourish. And I hope in time if I reach my goals to hire a producer to help put the podcast on an even better footing. You can support Ireland Creates by going to patreon.com forward slash Ireland Creates and get early access to the podcast and some lovely treats along the way. But now enough about me and on to our very first guest of 2021 this is a conversation that I really enjoyed with an artist whose work I very much admire I'll let her introduce herself my name
1: is Linda Byrne and I'm an illustrator I am um, I guess I create um, artworks that tell stories themselves
0: Linda, welcome to Ireland Creates, a podcast about Ireland's storytellers. And thank you for, for joining us on this week's episode. How did, you know, I have followed you on Instagram for quite a while now and you've got quite, I think at least based on your social media, um, a, a, a good strong practice built up. So let's let's go right back. Were you someone who loved to draw as a child?
1: Um, Thanks very much. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what to say now about the Instagram but I guess um, thank you for following me. But yeah I guess when I was younger I always drew and uh, I I don't really remember it as anything unique because I have two sisters as well and I think the three of us together would always draw on colour and things like that so to me that felt very normal.
0: And I know it would have been, at least in my childhood, very common for people to get sent off and maybe on a Friday after school to an art class, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, quite, it's something that a lot of kids like to do, to get, yeah. uh, whether it's paint or pencils or, or, you know, just to get involved in, in making things. So when then did you realise that this was something that y- you might want to pursue?
1: Um, I, I never actually went to an art class or anything like that um, my mum was very creative as well and she would just kind of encourage us to make stuff and I don't know if you remember Make and Do on the telly that TV oh, yeah. show um, Mary Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and we loved that so we always tuned into that or Art Attack and kind of just played about ma- making stuff all the time and I guess we grew up in the late, late 80s and early 90s and there was no such thing, I guess, as fancy kind of art classes or things like that. You just kind of made stuff from what you had lying around or matchboxes, or it was a great thing you could make stuff out of. So it was more just kind of exploring that end of of
0: of your childhood and uh, playing, playing really. And this did this continue then the the whole way through? Um, I guess when I got a bit when I went to secondary school, um.
1: I, uh, well, w- when we grew up, we, we lived across, the, my nanny lived across the road from the video shop, and we'd get a video out every weekend, mm-hmm. it was a little treat, and we always got um, animated movies. So I say we, it's, it's myself and my sisters, and we'd always pick the the kind of, um, I guess the golden era of Disney animation as well, would, would have been around the time of Lit- The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and stuff like that, so we'd always pick one of them, or else um, an American Tale or All Dogs Go to Heaven was a new, an, another new big hit with us. So we kind of had a rotation of maybe four mo- uh, movies we'd, we'd get out. And uh, my mom would always tell us that the the American Tale and All Dogs Go to Heaven were made in, up in Dublin. And that really fascinated me to think that this was made in Ireland and it was drawn by hand and everything was, was made here. And I just, I remember that when I was younger and I just kind of brought that with me when I was in um, secondary school. And when I was in secondary school, I was doing an art project on animation and I realised I really wanted to be an animator. So I kind of focused on that um, and that's what I wanted to do. And
0: you went then to Ballyfermot College in Dublin.
1: I did, yeah. Yeah, I loved it there. It was the Irish School of Animation now and um, I studied there for three years. I was only 17 when I actually got in, so I was quite young. I was mm-hmm. 20 when I graduated, so I was, I was a child, but I thought I was really
0: old <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and I loved every second there. I learned so much.
0: And... You know, this mix with um, animation, because what you are known for now, um, it, you know, it's it's a more, I suppose, natural way of creating art. You know, you, you show your followers on social media, your process. So people might not realise this love of animation was what started it all off. So what was studying animation at that time like?
1: Um I I loved it I felt when I when I got to college that I really felt at home that this art college was for me um, and I loved all the subjects so you kind of learn you know, painting, uh, color studies, life drawing is a major thing, especially in animation, and different things like um, visual communications so or how to how to tell um, a story through an image, and then obviously animation, storytelling, and script writing, acting. We even did as well. So it's it was it was quite full on, and um, I guess um, when you're in art college, you're really learning about yourself as well. A lot of it is self-driven. So you're kind of encouraged to explore and it's up to you to do the work. So I guess you're kind of encouraged. You're given the tools and it's up to you to then to kind of know what you want to do with them, really.
0: Yeah, and that can be quite difficult for some people. You know, the mix of, you know, when you leave school and everything's kind of handed to you on a plate and then you go into college and it's like, well, now now's the time to book up, but it's up to you or not. That can be quite a challenge for some young people. How did you find it? Um I really
1: enjoyed it. I'm very self disciplined and I kind of stick to a little schedule. Even now I'm very um disciplined in my own work and I kind of have a schedule of what I do, so I actually excelled at it really. I, I enjoyed it and then um you're kind of working under your own direction, so yeah, it I felt very natural
0: for me. So you finished up in, in at College and then did what I suppose would have been the done thing at the time. You decided to go traveling.
1: Yeah, I worked for a few years and just saving up uh, to get the money to, to, to put a, a backpack on and go trekking mm-hmm. around Australia. And um, I came home then and it was the height of the recession in '08, And I decided I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I went then and did a degree in fine art in DIT
0: was that a similarly enjoyable
1: experience it was very different it was more experiment I guess more of an experimental kind of art than a discipline which would which animation would be so you're not working towards an industry if that makes any sense yeah but I did enjoy I really enjoyed the four years there as well so in DIT and um, not like I'm not sure if any other place in the country does it but you don't actually specialize in a subject or a discipline so you work across all mediums for the four years. So you could do printmaking and, and sculpture and you can mix that practice in, in in throughout the four years. You don't have to kind of specialize, which I think is wonderful. That's really interesting actually. Yeah, yeah. so you get, yeah. you get a taste of everything. You get a taste of everything and you actually get a rounded taste because you're doing it for so long and like I went in there saying I'm going to draw and then for my degree show I made a sculpture so you can it was just the way it happened and the way the art form kind of speaks to you at the time so yeah I I found it a a lovely experience as well.
0: So what happened after college then you know how it's I suppose it's it's a struggle for artists really to know where to go because it's not necessarily a clear path to follow.
1: No it's never a clear <laughs> path and I guess I just kind of really wanted a job where somebody would pay me to draw and that's kind of all I wanted and that's hard to find <laughs> believe it or not so um, I really struggled what to do and I before I'd gone to traveling I had worked as a as a teacher, as an art teacher in kind of different forms, so like community centres and uh, residential care homes and things like that. So, I kind of thought maybe, you know, teaching would would kind of tick all the boxes and I'd be creative and st- still get a, a paycheck at the end of the week. So, I went on and got a job as a teacher and I did that for a number of years, but I really felt very creatively uh, dead inside and I just... I just hated it. I just thought, of, this isn't for me. Um, I really didn't like it. What was it that you didn't like? Oh God, it's terrible to say, but I'd be looking at the students drawing and i think, jeez, I want to be drawing. I don't want to be the one standing up here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, it, it's, I guess it's a term that's that I learned in art college and it's the, the compulsion to create and it's a feeling that, I, I don't know if other creative people have it, but it's an urge that you have to we have to be creating and if you're not doing it, you feel really agitated and it sounds really mad, but it's like when, when I know I want to work on a project, I feel agitated until I get that out of my system, until I actually get it on paper. And it's that compulsion that, to create. And it, to be honest, it's really a driving force behind a lot, of, a lot of my work.
0: So in a way, is it therapeutic for you?
1: Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know if it's escapism or something, but you do feel it's like another sense that you feel like you have to do that. You have to be making something. You have to be doing something and physically getting something done that you're thinking about in your head. And it's, I guess it's, it's, it's always a creative form. It's all for me, it's always drawing or painting. And maybe for somebody else, it could be writing or something different like that.
0: So you come back to Ireland. Ireland is in a very difficult situation uh, financially and I think we're all still scarred from that particular crash. Yeah. What what did you do?
1: Um, so that's when I became a teacher. Okay. And um, I worked there for about three years kind of teaching in different settings and things like that. And I really wasn't happy and I just kind of said to my parents and all like my parents are obviously very understanding people and they've always encouraged me to do what I love and they never ever tell me what to do in that sense. So I just told them I really wasn't happy and I had been looking up um, obviously, it was looking up different jobs, nothing was popping up. And I seen a course, a business course to start your own business in the area that you kind of have studied or the area you specialised in. And I just thought, sure, here I have nothing to lose, really. So, I left my job and I went and did a six-month business course with the Entrepreneurs Academy in Dublin. And um, and from then on, then I started
0: my own business. So, you've been self-employed since? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. And loving it. (laughs) There are ups and downs, obviously.
0: (laughs) So I'm thinking back now to young Linda watching all dogs go to heaven. Did you ever imagine that you'd be a businesswoman as well as an artist? Um, To be honest, it
1: felt very natural. My parents are both self-employed, so... Um, I guess that was something that we were aware of growing up and how to run a business and things Mm -hmm. like that. So to me, it wasn't very alien. And I always would have known a lot of artists are self-employed and their own business people. So, um, yeah, I guess I felt it could be a road to go down, but I didn't really know at the time how to go down that road.
0: So the course then, I'm guessing, gave you a road to follow then or, or at least steps to take. Yeah, precisely, yeah. So setting up your own business, it's a daunting thing to do. Um, And, you know, it's something that it can be hard to really put your finger on how exactly you go about doing it. You know, and it's not something that we hear artists talk an awful lot about. You know, we 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 don't um, we we don't really talk about the, the practicalities of being a working artist in Ireland. So how did you establish yourself?
1: Um, I guess it was a slow kind of process as well uh through the course I kind of knew what steps to take and obviously business plans and all that jazz and I never studied business before so it I just kind of thought it, it was very alien but then once I was in it I actually quite enjoy business and looking at how other businesses ran so um there are a lot of supports out there as well. So like with the enterprise office and, and things like that. So you can get a lot of help you just have to know where to go to look for them.
0: Yeah, I think that's something that I think we can be guilty of. We There are plenty of offices and the local Leo's and grants that are available, but it's, it's knowing who to ask and what website to look up.
1: Precisely, yeah. And true um, with the creative industry as well. There's a lot of grants and things you can apply for. And I find that I have a great network of other creative people in business and we kind of talk about different things, you know, different avenues that people could go, go down or different opportunities that pop up. So I do think that's important to actually have a network because you're self-employed, you're working from home. Like, we're, like I'm constantly by myself, never mind lockdown. Yeah. So um, it's nice to have a network, a business network outside of yourself as well
0: that support, it, it must be invaluable to have somebody that you can bounce ideas off.
1: Yeah. And I guess people are going through the same um, struggles you're going through in business or in the creative industry, because it is very different than other industries. So um, you, you are the business at the end of the day and your work is the business. So you're under pressure to do the work and also to do the business end of it. So it's kind of a balance.
0: So then Linda, I you are known now for doing live illustration. Yeah how did yeah. how did you get into it even before we talk about what it is? Um, so live illustration, I when
1: when I was studying in Ballyfermot, you're encouraged to go out on location and draw people. Um, I guess incognito or just kind of you know doing their own thing in in their own world and you're encouraged just to go out and observe people and draw them um, unknown to them and you're working very fast you're working very quick so it's always something that I did and I was I'm from Kildare and my husband and his his dad are into horse racing. So they used to go to the races a good bit around the Curra. Mm-hmm. And I, God forgive me, but I've no interest in horses. <laughs> Shouldn't say that being from Kildare, but I've no interest. I, I don't know if I've ever met a
0: Kildare <laughs> person that's dared to say that out loud. There you
1: go. So I used to go to the races, but I found it a great opportunity to actually draw people because everyone's um, standing around. They're all in a you know close proximity they're all facing the one way because they're all looking at the race so I used to just draw people um at the races and I was drawing a lady once and she asked me would I draw at our wedding and I thought okay no problem
0: wow okay yeah Yeah, it's funny how it all happens so then how do you so you're invited then say on a wedding um, to a wedding. Um, how do you go about then doing a portrait like that? Because I suppose we, you know, if you're not in, if, if portraiture is not your thing, um, you know, we we kind of have this stereotypical image of the artist laboring over a portrait, perhaps for months. Um, we don't think of it as being a very quick process. So how does it work for you? Um I
1: guess I'm used to working quick, I wouldn't work on anything very long. So I guess it suits my style. And the the artwork I create at the events would be, I guess they're a fun cartoon version of yourself. They're not a realistic, um, you know, realistic portrait or anything like that. They're more like a kind of a cute cartoon version of you, I guess.
0: There's something really special about them. I came across you when a friend that I follow on Instagram was at a wedding, and you painted her portrait or you drew oh my her God. portrait. And I said, this is this is this is great, you know. And I think it's it's a lovely memento for people to have from the day you know because even as a guest of a wedding it might not be your day but you do make a good bit of effort to to look your best and it's a good you know it's a nice day it's it's um, something that you might have maybe saved up to attend So so going away then with a memento from the occasion I think it's a really nice touch Um, is it ever I suppose challenging though because you know people can be very well sensitive about how we look um,
1: thankfully I've never really upset anybody that I know of <laughs> but I guess um at the time you're you're just kind of working quick and it's all quite a natural process for me and it's kind of um, like a reaction to to what I see in front of me and people are generally people are always lovely like it's it's such a lovely thing to be involved in and they're really fascinated by you drawing so Sometimes they're, they're more interested in looking at you than actually the finished product. But it is a nice momentum from the day. And even if I look back at p- pictures on Instagram or whatever of of, of images that I did draw, um, I actually get taken back to when I drew them. So I do remember the day and the, the couple and the venue and stuff like that. So I hope that
0: that is captured in the picture for the guest as well. Your work it it shows it encapsulates a story in an image um, is that something that you know you would be thinking about at the time is it is storytelling something that you you would be trying to do with a project
1: yeah i get i i find it a lot easier to work from um working on personal work or for a client if i knew the story behind the image or what the image was trying to portray. I do find it difficult to create work just um, with, with no background to mm-hmm. it or no kind of backstory. So I do like to kind of create a little scenario if I'm doing my own personal work. And um, usually I come up with a character and base it around something going on in their
0: lives. And that, you know, that takes a bit of vulnerability on your own part to be to be open to all of these. Do you find it challenging at all?
1: Um, I guess it's I just I guess that's just me and I don't actually really think about it too much. So I'm very lucky that I put my work out there on my website or social media and people are always lovely. So I never find it um, a difficult
0: task or I, I don't feel very vulnerable putting it out there I think that's just me really so you've you've built up this this business now over the past number of years and you've got this support network which has helped you through is it sustainable do you think for um for maybe people who might want to follow in your footsteps um I guess
1: it I, it depends on the person as well like there's there's obviously the first few years in business are very difficult and trying to establish yourself and I. Can, i think it comes back to your values as well like to me i'm money doesn't drive me i'm i'm happy when i'm creating work and if i get paid for something <laughs> it's obviously a bonus but i'm but I'm not really driven by money so I think that if I wasn't even making much money I'd still do what I do Mm -hmm. and I think that can be difficult for people especially so I'm in my my mid-30s and you're kind of people feel under pressure when you're hitting 30 maybe you have to get married and buy a house and and have children and all these pressures of, of kind of consumerism and what you should be hitting in life and I just don't value that so to me it's not an issue and I'm quite happy
0: doing what I do really. It's a lovely way of putting it, you know, we, we, <laughs> and you're right, you know, we do put these kind of um arbitrary deadlines on our lives as to what we're supposed to have done by certain ages. And really like, you know, it, it's totally made up stuff, really, you know, it doesn't. um But but yet we we tend to try and stress ourselves out about these things. So it's nice to hear somebody taking a different uh, perspective on yeah, it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because life just throws different things at you. So there's no point in putting yourself under pressure. And I do feel that What's that you know, what's for you won't pass you kind of thing, but mm-hmm. you do have to follow that inner authentic self. That's kind of
0: it's your gut feeling that's going to push you behind everything. So, you it's 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 a, it's a very true thing. You know, we have to rely on our gut and your, on your gut feeling. And for you, going into to business on your own because you'd seen your parents do it, you know, it, it wasn't maybe as big a leap as it might have been for somebody else. I'm curious. Because the business is is you, okay? It's your art form, but it's also your 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 income driver. Um, but it's also, as you said, you you have a, a need to create. So, how do you separate, um, you know, just crea- being creative because you just feel like it of a Saturday afternoon from you know your working practice? How how do you make it? Um, I suppose a work life balance.
1: Yeah, so I would generally schedule certain days of the week or even block book a week out of my diary work-wise to do personal work and your personal work will always fuel your um, client work. So I think it's really important and also generally, I guess not during lockdown times, but it's nice to actually get out and maybe go somewhere and sketch or even just go somewhere and enjoy being in the moment and looking around and observing people. And usually you get inspiration from that. But I do find it that I do have to separate the two um, consciously. I do have to make time for it because if you're working too much on client work, you're obviously you're trying to fulfill their needs and you're creating work for them. But you also need to think about your own creative needs and what you like to do. So they have to marry together.
0: So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of your personal projects and um, what 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 do you create when you're just creating for yourself? Um, so I
1: have at the minute i'm i'm kind of working on just kind of uh, christmas illustrations just artwork just kind of playing around with a, co- a restricted color palette so i generally like to kind of set a little task so at the minute i'm sticking to maybe four colors and using them four colors in different ways and i also enjoy um <laughs> food <laughs> so i do a lot of food recipes um, artwork and kind of their quick watercolour paintings. So it's really what I'm feeling at the moment. And generally, it's it's kind of based around lifestyle illustrations and food
0: illustrations um, and character based kind of children's illustrations as well. Your work to me has always come across as being very vibrant. Um, is that deliberate on your part? Uh, no, it's actually, um,
1: it's something that I never really knew. I never really copped on about that either until you look back on your work and you see the color palette and so I was saying I was working on color palettes and it's important for your brand or your business as an artist that you have a color range that you use and it's actually not really a conscious decision it's more colors that you're drawn to. So I have a color chart of the colors that I love in my studio. And even if I look back on a back catalogue before I had this, the colours are always based around them. So I guess it's more of the colours that you're actually drawn to at the time. And mine are usually pastel, quite bright colours, kind of pinks and oranges as well. So,
0: um, yeah, I guess it's just kind of what you like at the time. Yeah, I think it's and it's interesting to say, like, I know. Even from my own perspective, if, p- if people who know me would say, you know how uh, describe Ashling, and they'd always say turquoise because I tend <laughs> to wear a lot of it. It's turqu- I've got turquoise hair, I, you know, and I think it's something that we don't. You're right; it, it's um, it's not a conscious thing, you know. It's just something that we're, we're immediately drawn to. Um, but I think that's um, it's interesting then when you have people who are looking at your artwork, and are we drawn to artwork whose colour palette? is a, in a line with ours do you think um i guess i guess so um and then on, in
1: another sense i'm always attracted to other people's work that isn't anything like mine because i can see the value in that mm-hmm. uh, the value in their work as in how can they do that when that's something that doesn't come naturally to me so i guess it's a, it's a mix of of that as well something that you're aligned to and then something that compliments you because it's different.
0: Yeah. A lot of artists um can be quite precious about their work and and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Um and very protective of it, but you you've taken to showing people your process on social media and um you know how do you feel about letting people in on, you know, what goes into making a piece of work?
1: And I think that I think it adds value to the work because it demystifies it. And like, I love following other creative people and I love seeing behind their scenes. And generally, I know them. <laughs> I know these people and I know their work and I love their work. But I love seeing the, the process behind what they make and how they make it. And I think that's fascinating. And I, fi- I always find with live events, when I'm at an event, people love seeing how you're drawing and wow, they're fascinated. And I think that's just a natural thing that people want to know more about the work itself. And sometimes it's more the process than the actual finished outcome.
0: Yeah. To try and maybe understand how you do it. Yeah. And I think it's,
1: um, yeah, I, I I don't mind showing people um how something is created and I had a, a, a vlog there kind of um just kind of showing what I do during the week and things like that and um at the time it was really just lockdown I guess kind of got to me <laughs> and yeah. it was just uh it was nice to show people what I was doing at the time and um and I did get good feedback on people saying oh we really liked kind of seeing behind the scenes type, type of thing and there people are always fascinated with The artist studio and what you do in the studio and what you use and things like that. And I guess to me, that's very
0: normal. But to somebody else, it's a different world altogether. Well, sure, it's the whole lockdown phenomena of the, you know, the shelfie, this whole thing. We love looking into other people's lives and, you know, into an artist studio. What does an artist studio even look like? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like a, a treasure trove, really. Yeah. And I suppose it is. It's, if it's not something that you're familiar with, um, it can be very, very interesting. And, and I think we, we have a thing in Ireland. We love to see inside people's homes. We, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah definitely. We're, we're, very, we're, we're a very house proud nation, I think. <laughs> yeah. Very nosy. Very <laughs> nosy. <laughs> well, I remember being told in college, if you're not nosy, you won't make a good storyteller
1: well it's true you have to have it I think people love to f- to know that you're interested in them and it's it's a compliment I think that people want to know about
0: you and um and like I guess it opens up your world to somebody else's world too mm. so then I know we've kind of you know in a roundabout way mentioned lockdown and 2020 the year that it is like um how have you found it Um, So a lot of my work this year was based around
1: uh, events and kind of a lot of corporate events and private events and obviously all them got shelved so it really was a bit of a shock um, in March and I didn't know how to take it really and then my poor poor dog died and really (laughs) sent me over the edge and I just thought oh my god I don't know how to be coping with this. So I actually took the time to go back in on myself and create some of the work um some personal project and not think about the business because i just thought look there's nothing you can do about 2020 it is yeah. what it is so don't be worrying and just take time to do what you actually enjoy doing and kind of fuel your soul i guess
0: yeah and i um, i was really sorry to see that uh, poor mr <laughs>
1: Mr. kiwi was it? mr kiwi yeah uh, yeah my poodle yeah
0: yeah, it's Emma um, and I should apologize at this point because my own dog barked there a little bit earlier on. <laughs> she jealous. likes she likes to make herself known in in, in these podcast recordings I'm learning. Um Aww. but it's been a tough year. So now, you know, and I think like it, it, we're all i think as creatives there was a sense of pressure on creatives at the start of all of this and going you know okay lads here's a bit of money like you know go make something for us to enjoy and a bit of impatience uh, perhaps on the behalf of some what are you looking forward to now you know how are you i suppose planning um 2021 for yourself
1: Um, I guess I'm just crossing my fingers and hope everything (laughs) turns out okay but I know I'm actually working on a lot of personal work that I hope will um, bring me down different avenues next year and I guess it's, it's more I've taken the time really to kind of look even look at the business and take time out and focus more on the business and the structure of the business and things like that so in a way it's given me back that time that if it was and if if the year had gone to plan I wouldn't have had that time to do that so in a way it is a blessing in a in a roundabout way so um, hopefully 2021 will just um, go to plan I guess and hopefully um, things will get back on track
0: hopefully fingers crossed and touch wood and <laughs> yeah, touch everything yeah. exactly yeah all of those things we'll all we'll all hold our breath for that so before i let you go and i want to thank you for for joining us here on ireland creates and as i said at the start we're all about storytelling here on this podcast so i'm going to ask what does storytelling mean to you um
1: stories stories are i guess um an enchanting form of using your imagination and bringing you to another world where you can um talk to animals and I always say on my website eat chocolate for breakfast and just enjoy the possibilities and um, opening your mind up to things that could happen that you want to happen and generally just um, enchanting
0: people with the possibilities. I think that's a lovely way of describing it <laughs> thank you <laughs> well listen thank you so much for uh taking time out of your schedule to uh, have a chat with us here on much, Ireland Jessica. Creates how can people find you um, how can they follow you on social media yeah so I'm on my website is
1: com, and on Instagram I am um, lindaburnillustration
0: as well you'll find me there it was truly lovely speaking with Linda Byrne. Please do go and check out her work on lindabyrneillustration.com. And again, please go to patreon.com forward slash Ireland Creates. So that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Ireland Creates. And for the price of a cup of coffee, help me spread the word about Ireland's wonderful storytellers in 2021. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back with another episode next week.